Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, my guest talks about an area they're really passionate about, which is gender pay gap and how it is egregious to women in quota carrying revenue generating roles. So we have a long discussion about this and they also um, tabled the impact it has on the whole economy. So I thought that was really interesting. Coming from a, a revenue generating senior, coming from a chief revenue generating role, having been a CMO and a background in sales, we talked about optimizing the efficiency and transparency in the relationships across marketing, sales, and customer success, and how you can scale much faster if you have greater cost efficiencies by organizing and aligning the team so that you remove those silos and you work hand in hand. And they said, you're not handing over leads, you're actually working together very much in a collaborative sense. My next guest is the founder and CEO of ARIA Partners and former CMO and president, executive director of Women in Revenue. With over 20 years of growth and leadership experience, she is on a mission to make a difference by driving revenue growth, empowering women, and supporting the development of inclusive business cultures and teams. Most recently, she was honored to receive the 2022 Titan Women in Business Gold Award for Female Executive of the Year. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Deanna Ransom. Thank you, Janice. How are you? I'm doing good. All the better for seeing you. It's been such a long time that people have been trying to keep us apart, but they we're just not doing it anymore. They we're not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get straight into the weeds with you because I know that this is an area that's really important to you and, and talk about the pay gap for women and how especially egregious it is for women that are quota carrying. And we know that it's the women that are often the highest performers. So, you know, talk to me about these, these revenue generating roles and what's going on with these companies. Yeah, if you, you know, thank you for jumping right in because if you really think about the pay gap, pennies on the dollar, women are making pennies on the dollar in general, it gets worse as you go down the women of color, right? And if you're thinking about quota carrying women or even women like myself who, you know, as a CMO, I've carried 40% of the revenue for a company. 
right? My team and I have carried that, but yet I am making pennies on the dollar while I am generating millions of dollars in revenue for an organization. That is especially egregious for women that are in revenue generating roles and women in STEM, quite frankly, creating the innovations, the research and the technology that's going to generate millions or billions of dollars in revenue and making pennies on the dollar and fighting for equity and respect, right, in order to get it done. I think that we can move beyond conversation at this point and uh, start to take some action. And what would that action be? Because it seems so obvious to me and to you, but it's just that gap is not really closing. In actual fact, we know that post-pandemic, so many more women have left these traditional industries. So what is going on? Well, I can tell you some of the, just the data that exists, right? We know that women being underutilized and underpaid costs the global economy $7 trillion with a T, right? Seven trillion dollars 1.6 trillion dollars every year due to the wage gap is lost to women right so if you start compounding those numbers um add on pink tax where women pay higher costs right for the same goods as their male counterparts with their lower salaries this is a problem. So when you start thinking about what are some of the basic things we can do? Well, we could start by paying women what they're worth, what the role is worth, right? Pay transparency just means we know the data. It doesn't actually take us to a place of action. So how do we do that? We start to partner across organizations and we start to make adjustments. We um, start to be able to work with organizations who will understand how we create better opportunities for women to earn these uh, the dollars that actually are due to them. We start to remove some of the additional costs on elements that are paint tax. There you yeah. go. Pay yeah. them and, and make the costs equal. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really interesting point that you you make in that it's not just about paying people what their role is worth, but it's also about the actual impact that has on the economy. How much is the whole means that everyone's paying for it. The whole economy is losing out because we're not paying people for the roles that they're they're doing. Um, and yeah, that I was, I, my brain was just fixed and think, wow, you know, that is, should be motivating to actually start changing these things. And it's not about gender or ethnicity. It's actually about all of us being able to contribute to the economy. And it's a level playing field and it's about fairness and, and equity. So, yeah, I, I really and I'm going to look at the figures in, in the, the UK and see if I can find that, yeah. because I do in the UK, there are companies of a certain size that need to disclose their gender um, pay if there's a gap. 
but it's a lot of the kind of like smaller companies that haven't yet come under that that government ruling but even then you've actually seen that there has been just by um having to pop there has been a, a leveling up but i think you're absolutely right by publishing the 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 data doesn't really change the the um culture doesn't really change the mindset doesn't really change how people are included or their sense of of belonging you know the whole uh, view around equity so there's and still work to be that. done think about what you're saying in the sense of um we're talking about the pay gap in general but how people get paid let's just say all of us this is how we take care of ourselves and our families right and this this approach to thinking about it it has a direct impact on how folks are able to show up and be able to do their role why because if you are struggling financially or there's this big gap financially uh, you're not able to invest you're not able to continue to do what needs to be done at what you could do and so it impacts the world in general and for the u.s we now have the highest instance of women-led households right that means they're the primary breadwinner I think we are at about 52% in the United States. Now, if those households are led by women, but they're making less money, how is how is the infrastructure, you know, really serving? Mm -hmm. And so it becomes it becomes a thing. And then think about, you know, those who are in marketing, who are in sales, who are in customer success. Not only do you have the care of your families, but you have the care of the growth of revenue for your organizations also associated to that. And I, there's a direct link in terms of self-success uh, between your relationship, your personal relationship with money and how you view it and wealth, and also your success in gaining money, in selling. There's a direct relationship between the two. Um, and so if your experience of money is scarcity, yes. um, all of these things on one side, but yet you need to sell luxury or, uh, you know, kind of real benefits and, and selling a desire, then there's a real disconnect between the two things, really, isn't there? There's a huge disconnect. And, and for those who are carrying a quota, you are tasked with going out and ensuring that you're able to espouse value, build relationships, relationships based off of what evidence and, and some level of commonality um, that is directly impacted when you get done. It almost feel it could be perceived as you're playing a role, imposter syndrome. All right. While you're selling and then going home with, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this, 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 this and this? Or knowing that while you and your counterpart are doing the same exact role, you're only getting pennies on the dollar, but you have the same quota or maybe a higher quota. How does that work? Mm -hmm. 
I think that's an interesting point. I mean, I wonder, I don't know the exact figures. I wonder if more women suffer from the imposter syndrome. And I wonder if it's actually the lack of exposure and, and um, experience exactly what you're saying if your experience is one thing but you actually feel it's quite false to be you know selling or being in another world for your work you're not really feeling it are you and you feel you're an imposter so maybe there there, there is that there's a lack of exposure to a variety of experience that you have a level of comfort to be able to be talking at that that level and so I, I, i'm always troubled with when we're categorizing women ethnic minorities that have certain traits so a lack of confidence you know we're often labeled with that well actually we show up in different ways we don't have to be masculine to be considered confident um and it's almost like the world is one way. And if you're not that way, then it's negative, isn't it? And, and I wonder if imposter syndrome is that as, as, as well. There are always going to be, this is my view, circumstances where, because we're learning, there's always, yeah. a, and it doesn't matter if you're a chief executive or whatever level you are, you, we don't know everything. So there's always going to be an incident where we feel we are lacking confidence, feel that we're an imposter. They often say act as if in order to be. And so everyone is going to feel that. But it seems to be that certain minority groups are labelled with it in a negative sense, really. So I don't know what your view might might be. Yeah, so that's a great question. <laughs> you can hear the laughter in my voice as I kind of gear up here. Um, yes, there are some unfortunate labels that get stuck to various groups. It's completely unfair, and it creates a lack of belonging, right? And the lack of belonging is not because that person does not belong the creation of the appearance of lack of belonging is because it, the person then feels as though they have to change, contort, and conform, right, in order to please others, which means now I cannot be myself in order to make someone else feel more comfortable. When certain groups show up as confident, it, it is then sometimes labeled as arrogant or cocky. But when other groups do it, it's just, oh, they're so confident, right? And so we're not we're not having the same experience, even though we may be sitting in the same room and sitting at the same table with the same binder in front of us, so to speak, right? So I am a huge proponent of making sure that, num, we number one, we have to remember to recognize the humanity that each of us represents. And that's important. It even translates into, I'm going to go, I'm going to relate this to sales and marketing and, and customer success, because a piece of this will um, go back to scaling your sales, right? And that is being, have human respect, right? For the person that you're dealing with um, across your revenue organization. So why am I saying that? Because if sales doesn't respect marketing and marketing doesn't respect sales, you're going to have friction, 
if you can't see your sales leader because they're a woman as equal to you, right, then there'll be some disconnects in being able to get the right agreements and the right connection in place so that we can work as a seamless unit, right? Because we'll still be dealing with, you know, some fractures in the human piece. And so I am a huge proponent of we must remember we are all humans having a human experience, but we are not having the same experience, right? We also need to come to any meeting or conversation with a level of respect for the person that we're talking to, right? And that's bi-directional. That's not one way. Tend to think of things as one way. And how does that translate into sales? Because when two human beings connect, you can get all of the connection points necessary to scale across your organization, to have the uh, agreements in place, to you know, have a common definition of the language to be able to know where each person is playing on the field. And that is efficiency in scaling your sales before you even get to, are we going after net new or are we going after retention? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I want to extend that a little bit because while you were talking, I, I was thinking the relationship between the seller, the buyer, the customer, and the level of respect that is shown one way. And how this is evolving and changing and whether it's changed enough. Because a lot of the language we've traditionally used in the sales environment, hunter, crushing, closing, you know, uh, lead. We're talking about human beings, you know. Respect. Yeah, I know exactly. And um, this was, a, you know, a campaign of mine a year ago because it just riled me the lack of respect that the industry shows the people that put, you know, money on the table, the organisations, and we talk a lot about being customer focused but the sales industry it's a joke it's not really you know it's geared up to feather its own, own bed yes it's changing but that's around the periphery i would love to, as you know as a, a chief revenue you know executive that's been leading a lot of these teams for you to maybe defend i don't know but talk about you know, the level of respect and what we need to do as an industry to make sure that we're working more in partnership rather than against one another. You're using, so anyone who knows me knows I'm really big on any word that ends in the word ship, right? So whether it's a partnership, allyship, relationship, anything that ends in ship has a bi-directional component that is supposed to bring mutual benefit to the parties that are connected to that ship, right? I'm really big on that. So how does that translate, you know, to what you just said in terms of sales? What that means is we start to accept the recognition, to your point, how things have shifted. 80 plus percent of the buyer's journey is now spent in the marketing piece of the cycle before they even get to speak to or want to speak to 
a salesperson, right? Marketing, I told you, I've carried up to 40% of the revenue for organization, which means, like it or not, I'm selling. Now, I come from a sales background, so it doesn't scare me. But like it or not, I'm selling. I am not just your partner in the sales process as the marketing executive. I am your teammate. We are same team, same jersey, and we win the same game when we play our roles together and work together with respect. If I'm playing third base and someone's running the first, it doesn't serve me to throw the ball to first base, but you won't catch it because I'm in marketing. <laughs> and vice versa. So that that respect has to be earned and built amongst the team. And we have to recognize, hey, we all have a part to play in how this revenue goal is going to be attained. And it is an interlocked approach. I'm really big on that word. Interlock. It's not handoffs. There are no handoffs, right? It's not, oh, I've got a lead here, sales. Let me toss this over to you, right? We're interlocked until not, and not until we close the deal, but once we close the deal, we're still in it together because now how are we taking care of that customer? How are we creating loyalty within that customer? How are we taking them from customer to fan, right? That that takes all of us and a good experience throughout their process and relationship with our organization. So we have to start to rethink. It's not so much an organizational construct as much as it is a human respect and collaborative engagement. Love it. Love it. Ah, right. So what's one tried and tested strategy you would offer listeners on how to scale their sales? Oh, you know, uh, again, I'm going to go back to what we were literally just talking about. But one of the things that stands out to me for being able to scale your sales, there's an internal approach and then there's the external approach. Number one internally being able to bring together what I call the revenue engine and that's marketing sales and customer success, right? That, that is, that's the heart and soul of creating revenue for any organization and ensuring that there is common language, common data. We're all, we, we have common KPIs. Like this is, this is how you create, efficiency that is scalable your processes everyone knows the process has bought into it right so there's no leakage in the pipeline right there you really have that aligned that is one way to scale your sales by using internal cross-team inefficiencies Mm -hmm. right so that is one tried and true strategy that i have deployed that um, doesn't mean I need to go buy a new piece of tech, <laughs> right? I don't have to go. Those are just, that's just getting all of us together, getting rid of what I call leaky pipe syndrome and really being able to scale with one another. Then the next thing is really for me that 
I learned, and everyone knows it, it's always easier to retain a customer than the net new, right? So what are we doing to, right within the sales process, what are we baking in that creates this stickiness and this loyalty and expansion capability within an account? We ought to be thinking about that. It, it, we shouldn't be thinking about the sale as transactional as a unified revenue team. We really ought to be thinking about, you know, the business overall. And I've deployed that before and seen that work, right? And then the rest is good. Like for me, I stopped doing what I was calling campaigns years ago. And I moved to conversations versus campaigns. And that's even on the marketing side. You want to not just engage your buyer. You want to exchange with your buyer. You want to hear their needs and ensure that your messages and the experience are aligned and they can tell when it's authentic. Mm -hmm. They will tell you when it's good. <laughs> and that alone, even if your product isn't the greatest, the experience that you're creating that lets you lets them know that you're listening to them is extremely valuable in terms of scaling sales. Brilliant. So if you are on a desert island, Deanna, what's the one thing you would take with you? Okay. So for me, I believe it would be, I have a, a pillow, a special custom pillow. Uh, and this pillow, I, I have a difficult time sleeping without it. And I have a few of them. I try to travel with <laughs> with that. <laughs> I know. But it's important because, you know, you know how you just, if I'm on a desert island and let's say there's fruit I can eat, there are these things there, but there will be no rest without that pillow. So I'm taking that pillow on that desert island so that I can survive the experience until I can be rescued. Deanna, the reason why I'm smiling is because I'm thinking your travel partner is your pillow. <laughs> Forget anyone else. Your travel partner is your pillow. I love that. I love that. 100%. Brilliant. So how can listeners get hold of you? Yes. So I am on LinkedIn. Deanna, please connect with me. I love connecting with folks and, and engaging. They can also reach out by email, which is Deanna Ransom at Yahoo. Uh, and I'm looking to be able to connect with folks and be able to, you know, be of service and add value. And hopefully you'll reach out and we can connect there. Excellent. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and experience and being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast, Rihanna. Rihanna? Hey, hey, I'm a billionaire just like that. Yeah. Hey, gap salt. Would be nice, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast, Deanna Ransom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.